good morning. Uh, I am not Chris Emmons, the Ross Campus pastor here, uh, but he is here. My name is Kyle uh, Cannon, and I am one of the other pastors here at White Oak, and I am excited to get to be out here with you guys this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but this has been a really good series for me. I have really enjoyed it. Maybe it's the stickers. Maybe, uh, maybe it's just been a lot of really good content. We've been spending some good time in Scripture. But uh, regardless, I am just really enjoying this summer. Um, so I do a lot with our online stuff and our live stream stuff. And Chris and I were talking this past week, and we said when we were streaming the, uh, the online service here, we said there was like a little bit of like an inception thing going on where like the guy who's behind the stream is now on the stream, and there's like some sort of weird dream sequence that's happened. And you can ponder that later and like what the infinite loop would be uh, with that. But regardless of all that, I am glad to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, a favorite scripture of mine that I want to share with you this morning, it comes from Philippians 1, uh, verse 6, and it says that, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And that's good news, because for some of us in this room, we came in here because we needed something different. We needed something new. Life has been beating us up lately. We're feeling worn out. And maybe we even wonder, has God, like, is God, does God exist? And so my prayer this morning for you this morning is that God would begin his good work in your life. Others of us in this room, maybe you call this place home. You would say, this is my family here. And God, at some point, began this good work. And I know there are those days where I feel like, I just don't know if the Spirit is working in my life. I, I feel like I'm not who I'm supposed to be, and I'm right there with you. But this verse right here gives me hope, that our God will finish the good work that he started. So I want to pray for us this morning before we jump in, and then we're going to spend some time looking at some scripture this morning and looking at the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we are in this space right now, I am grateful that Salvation, it, it rests on you. It's not my work, it's your work. And me becoming who, who you've called me to be, who you've created me to be, again, God, it is, it's your work, your spirit's work in my life. For anybody who's in this room who, God, they just need that. God, I pray that you would grant repentance to them, that you would begin your good work in their life today and while it's a lifelong journey, God, that you would start that today. For others of us, Lord, who have been walking with you, God, I just I, I thank you that you're at work in our lives and that you would give us what we need to continue on the path that you have for our lives, God. Thank you for choosing to work in our lives. Thank you for being gentle with us. Thank you for being patient and kind and loving and good and faithful to each of us in this room. We love you. I pray all these things in your son, Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had that moment? If you're a parent, I assure you, you have. It's the moment where your kids are yelling and they're shouting over top of each other and you look at them and you say, we don't yell. <laughs> and they look at you and they think, yeah, dad, right. You just yelled at us, right? Like, or, or there's this one where your kids can't keep their hands to themselves and like touching, 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 or they do something they hadn't, and you have to discipline them, right? And, and so you come in and you're like, we don't hit, and you give them like the SWAT, and they're like, really? Like, I, we don't hit, but I, I don't get it, Dad. Like, you've had those moments where you're, 
where your actions don't line up with your words, right? Lots of people are looking at me like, no, that's not me. Okay, I'm sorry, that's just me. Okay, um, <laughs> try to relate with me. Uh, and so this morning, as we are uh, in the book of Galatians, and we're looking at, we've been looking at these fruit of the Spirit, I think it's fascinating that this is a book where the fruit of the Spirit is listed. We've been looking at love, joy, peace, patience, all these things. Today we're talking about gentleness. And arguably, Galatians is the least gentle book letter that Paul ever wrote. Like, like you can go to chapter 3 in the very beginning there, and he says, you fools. Like, that's not, that's not a gentle thing to say to somebody. Or there's, like, trouble being stirred up in the church later, and so uh, he will tell the troublemakers, he says, I wish that they would go and emasculate themselves. Again, not gentle. <laughs> Definitely not gentle. All right? And so today we're talking about this idea that gentleness is holding on to what God fights for. Okay? Now, Galatians, scholars will say, was written around A.D. 54 to 57. Okay? Um, that's important only because the letter that we're going to spend the bulk of our time in today, 2 Timothy, was believed to be written around 66 or 67. That's a decade or more, right, has passed. I don't know about you, but I'm a different person today than I was 10 years ago. And that's good news, right? Like, growth can happen. We can grow up. We can mature. We can develop. And so um, I believe today we're going to see a lot of that development happening. But the title of the series, Growing Up, I, I want to pose an idea or a question to you, something for you to think about this morning, because a lot of times when we go through the fruit of the Spirit, we see these as a list of things that we need to maybe grab and add to our lives. Like, oh, I'm not very patient. I could really use some more of that. I need that in my life. I need to try harder at being patient. I'm really not a kind person. I, if I just tried harder, I bet I could be kinder. What if we could yield a larger harvest in our life if we would yield to the work of the Spirit in our life? What I mean is not trying harder, not trying to staple these fruit to our lives and so it looks like we have them, but what if we said, God, we're going to walk in step with you. God, we're going to trust you. We're going to say that, yes, you are at work in our lives, and we're going to say yes to the things you say yes to. We're going to say no to the things you say no to. What if God wanted to do a work in our lives like that? Now, a favorite scripture of mine is found in Matthew chapter 11, and it starts in verse 28. It'll be on the screen if you'd like to follow along here. And he says, Then Jesus said, Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Maybe it's just me, but I want and I need that rest. Like, the people and the things in my life are always asking more, demanding more, wanting more, wanting more productivity, wanting more time, wanting more quality, all these things, and it can be exhausting. And the rest that I think Jesus is talking about here is not the rest where I come home, I plop down on the couch, and I watch a show on my favorite streaming platform. While that can turn the brain off, I don't think that actually refuels me, but what if the Savior of ours isn't someone who is coming and saying, I want more from you. I need you to give me more of this. What if our Savior, as he says right here, is gentle and humble at heart, and he wants to give you rest? That sounds good. 
Because there's a lot, a lot of places out there that are going to keep asking for things from you. And that's not our God. So I mentioned that um, we're in this Fruit of the Spirit series, gentleness. This is uh, number eight in the list, if you're keeping track. And um, as I was reading and kind of prepping for this morning, one of the things that occurs to me is that the further we go down the list of these Fruit of the Spirit, the less popular they are in our culture. What I mean is, like, we're all about love. Like, you can find that any and everywhere, right? There's stickers, T-shirts, all that sort of thing. I was a little jealous because uh, Zach Owens, our Coleraine campus pastor, or worship pastor, he had on a Be Kind shirt when he was preaching on kindness. I looked for a gentleness shirt. They're not out there, okay? <laughs> you can't find them. You can make them, but you can't find them. Um, and so feel bad for Darren because next week he has self-control. Again, it just gets harder, and they're less popular the further you go down the list. All right? Um, but, like, like, we want to move up in the world, whether it be at your job, like, the respect of people around you. And a lot of times, the messages that we get are that you have to work hard. You've got to, like, put in the hours. You've got to grind. Like, you cannot be gentle. You've got to steamroll people and get there. Because we want to be respected. We want to be known. We want to be honored. We want to have the title and all the things that go with it. And so I think we just have to face it. That being gentle necessarily does not get you to the top. So it's not a popular idea. It's not something that we're pursuing. It's not in the latest self-help books. The truth is, though, that while gentleness is not something that we want in our lives necessarily to drive us forward, it is the characteristic that we want other people to have towards us, right? Especially at work. You want the boss who's going to be gentle when you drop the ball on a project, you want the one who says, I understand, man, you have so many things going on. Like, the truth is, you drop the ball. You got to own it, but let's work on it together. Let's get, you don't want the one who comes in with a stick. You don't want the one who's harsh. You, you know, students in the room, when you show up after curfew, you want mom and dad who shows up, not with the stick, but with gentleness, right? You want them to say, like, I can relate, all right? I, I can, and I'll, let's, let's get you back on track here. And so gentleness, while it's something that we maybe don't want we don't see as benefit in our lives. We want people in our lives who will treat us with gentleness, right? And so uh, I like what uh, Paul David Tripp says about gentleness. I think it's a helpful thing for us. It'll be on the screen here for you. He says, treating a person with gentleness makes him or her want to move near you. Responding with gentleness teaches another person that he or she is safe in your care. It is an essential relational bond. I also like what uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson says uh, on this idea when he speaks to young people. And one of the ideas that he gives, he says, like, what you need to do with your time is you need to become a monster. You need to become strong. You need to become terrifying. And then you need to learn how to control it and go slay your dragons. All right? Because what we're talking about today is not gentleness. I want everyone in here to be a doormat that gets walked on. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. We're talking about having a strength that is under control. All right? Because gentleness presupposes strength. After all, Jesus said, the meek will inherit the earth. Now, some of our Bibles, the reason I say meek is because when you're reading along, you've got meek or meekness in there rather than gentleness. It's the same word in the original language. Um, and if that's your Bible, let me just give you a little bit of history because I'm a little bit of a, I like to nerd out on this stuff, okay? So bear with me if you're not. Um, meekness, all right, is a word or the meek that if you go back in your Bibles, and the way that it's used a lot of times in the Old Testament, 
all right, is going to talk about your social standing, your social status. It's the cards that you've been dealt, right? Like, you can't do much about it. Like, if you're a meek person, sorry, that's just what happened. You may be being oppressed and that sort of thing. And so when there's promises in the Old Testament about how the meek will inherit the earth, and then Jesus comes and restates that, okay, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, hey, I understand this world is not treating you, giving you the things that you would want, but understand this. In God's kingdom, in my kingdom, things are going to be turned upside down, and you will inherit the earth. Now, there's a shift that happens, and, and we're, we're used to this, right? Words shift over time. There's, there's dictionaries dedicated to keeping up with herb, like uh, slang and things like this that are out there. And so meekness takes a little shift, and then in the New Testament, when you read that, it's less about, it could include, all right, the hand that you're dealt, but it's more about you, you take ownership of that. You choose to be meek. All right? It's not just, just that, oh, man, you got a really crummy hand and life's going to be harder for you. It's like, no, I, I want you to embrace it. I want you to choose it. All right? And so when we start getting this idea, uh, it, it shows up uh, like that. And I think some of us, we hear the word meek, and we're immediately turned off of it. And it could be just because it's not in our culture. Again, there's not a meekness t-shirt out there. If you want to make it, you could make it. Um, you know, that's not out there. Uh, but maybe it's because it rhymes with weak. And so, like, just in our mind, subconsciously, like, meek, it probably means weak, like, it's close. Um, but that just tends to happen. But again, gentleness presupposes strength. And it's our ability to control that strength and know when to exercise it and when that we can say we're going to be gentle. So Jesus showed us that in our Heavenly Father's kingdom, it operates differently than how we think. Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's in the garden praying. All right, you maybe can picture the scene if you've been a part of church for a while. Um, and, and catch what happens here. It's found in Luke chapter 22. It's going to be on the screen here behind me. Jesus is in the garden praying. He knows that one of his good friends, somebody who would say he's a friend, is about to betray him, about to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. All right, rightfully upset, probably. Um, and, and so here's what happens. And when those who are around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. When I read this, I, I, I'm reminded as well of what the prophet Isaiah said about our Savior Jesus, that he was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. And I don't know about you, but when I think of a lamb, I think of this gentleness, this peacefulness that's there. Listen to how he's described here. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants, he will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he, for he will bear all their sins. 
like any good leader, our Jesus goes first. He doesn't just say, you be gentle and I'll, I'll do my own thing. No, he demonstrates it in the way that he lives. He could have called down armies of angels to defend him. He could have had his disciples draw the swords, but no, he actually takes a moment of restraint in himself and he chooses to be gentle and he heals the man who had just lost his ear by his disciples who missed it. They didn't understand the kingdom of God. So our Savior invites us to follow him. He showed us the way. Our Jesus is gentle. Our Jesus is tender and he's tough. So gentleness is holding on to what God fights for. So what does God fight for? He fights for what is right, what's just, those he loves, his children, all right? God's heart breaks for those who are hurting, those who are deceived. He longs for his children to be free from the snares, the traps, the captured them uh, that are out there. And so I want to spend the rest of our time this morning really looking at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Starting in verse 22, it's a lot of twos. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, you can. Uh, and you can follow along with us. would love for you to do that, but it'll also be on the screen with us. And just to remind you again, this letter was written roughly a decade after Galatians, which was where we've been looking at our fruit of the Spirit. And again, I think that God is at work in all of our lives, and he's growing us and maturing us to become who he wants us to be. So let's begin in verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured to do his will. We're not going to dive back into that, but the fruit of the Spirit are littered all over that. Like, you can go back and you can find those and you can read that and see. But a servant of our God must not be quarrelsome but kind, able to teach, patiently enduring evil and correcting with gentleness. Why? Well, because God may, through our actions, the way that we treat other people, that God may grant those people that bump into us repentance, that they could be freed from being captive, that they could experience the full life that Jesus has for them, that they would not have to be tied up, they would not have to be restricted, they would not have to be doing the devil's will, but they could be freed, undeceived, that they would be able to experience what God has for them. See, there's a lot going on in these verses. It's not just gentleness. I think Richie Jackson coined the phrase fruit cocktail when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Uh, and, and so, but today we're just keying in on this idea that what would it look like for us to, to be gentle, for the Spirit to work that out in our lives? Because the truth is we know that there's a better way. Those of us in this room who would say, I, I have experienced the radical grace of my God, that he has freed me, and I know this, and I want other people to experience that as well. So we who have been turned back to God discovered our identity as a son or a daughter of our Heavenly Father. We have the opportunity to live in such a way that other people could be freed based on our actions. So too often, I think this is the issue, that we care more about winning the argument or making our point than freeing the captive. Now hear me on this, though. Truth is so important. 
Truth is not wishy-washy. Truth is not something that we get to make up. We get to choose what's true and what's not. But the way that we deliver it matters. Now, I wish we had more time this morning because I'd love to dig into some of these passages uh, that I'm going to put on the screen for you. But I want to give you some scripture for you to maybe meditate on this week, for you to consider in the days, weeks, months ahead, as if you're a person who says, I think God's leading me to, you know, be developing the spirit of gentleness in my life. And these come uh, as a place for us to uh, interact with other people. There's four different types. The first one is when we're nurturing new believers. All right? Uh, you can find that in 1 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 1, going through verse 8. And what this is, is when there's someone new, like, they may not grow or know as much as we'd like them to do, as fast as we'd like them to do, right? Like, we've had those experiences where you've tried to teach somebody something, or you're walking along somebody, you wish, I just wish they would get it quicker. How could they not get it? All right? But we're going to be gentle. We're going to remember that we were there at one point. We're going to remember that there was probably somebody in our life who came alongside us and said, hey, let me walk with you. And they, they understood, and they were gentle with us and helped get us to this place that we are today. So we will be gentle when we are nurturing new believers. Also, we will be gentle when we are correcting the wayward. Now, pause for a second, okay? I'm talking about us in this room who are Jesus followers. I'm not talking about the person who lays no claim to Jesus, that they're following Jesus. That's not who we're correcting, okay? They're, they're not playing by our rules, so we don't need to say, hey, you're, you're wrong on that. But we have a hard time at this, don't we? When we see somebody who's in sin, and we're like, I, don't, I know that's not right, but how am I going to correct them with that? Well, the truth is we're going to do it in gentleness, because you and I understand, we know, right, that there is danger, there's trouble, there's despair that get us trapped when we are trapped in sin. We don't want to go back to that old life. We've been redeemed, and we need good people. We need good community around us who are willing to speak the truth in love and be gentle with us and walk with us to uh, when we start to stray or go wayward. Nextly, when we're talking and reasoning with unbelievers, we should do it with a spirit of gentleness. Now, we should be logical. We should be thorough. We should know our stuff. We should have a good defense. We should have a good argument. But again, just because we got the truth, we have to deliver it with gentleness, okay? So uh, Peter speaks to this really strongly. I think this is just a powerful couple of verses here, so we'll read them this morning. But First Peter 3, 15 and 16, Peter says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So our delivery, when we're sharing about our faith, needs to have a spirit of gentleness in it. It's not rude. It's not sarcastic memes on social media, all right? But that we have a spirit of gentleness with it. Lastly, and this is the junk drawer catch-all, but when we're being considerate of all people, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 will speak to this. So we've got new believers correcting the wayward, talking to uh, the, and reasoning with unbelievers, and then just in general, we should have a posture or a spirit of gentleness. And I'm not claiming it'll be easy. Okay? It will not be easy, uh, but we're going to model what our Savior does, and we're going to follow in his footsteps. Let's keep reading in 2 Timothy. We're going to start in chapter 3 and uh, verse 1 here. But understand this. 
that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, this is a long list, sorry, um, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. I don't know about you, but I look around and I, it's not hard to find those things. <laughs> Seems pretty current, that list. <laughs> um, problem is sometimes if I'm not walking with the Spirit and I look in the mirror and there I am in that list, right? That's why I need people to correct me. I need people who will do it with gentleness, please. See, it's easy to compare and say, well, I'm not as bad as, or it's easy to go with the flow and just be like, ah, okay, it's, it's all right. But Paul's instruction here is that we need to avoid these people. And we could have a much bigger conversation about this, but let me just say this. You know that there are people that can push your buttons, right? They can get you going. They can get you upset. They can say things that are going to get under your skin. I mean, that's what my feed is full of, right? If it's ads, things that make me happy, and then things that make me angry, all right? Because when I'm emotional, I'm likely to make a purchase or I'm going to spend more time there. <laughs> it's dangerous, right? So maybe for some of us, we might need to consider maybe backing off of some of our time online and saying, that's a dangerous spot for me. And so rather than spending that time online, maybe I'm going to spend that time praying for the people that are upsetting me. Or maybe I'm going to grab a bite to eat with that person that keeps saying things that are poking me, or maybe it's just a time that I need to spend some time with the Lord. Let's keep going here in verse 10 of chapter 3. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, we don't like that verse. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. A challenge for you today is maybe for some of us, we have to choose to lose for the sake of that gentle attitude and that God would do a work and grant these people repentance and that they would be able to have that good work that God is doing in you in their life. Gentleness is holding on to what God fights for. Gentleness is trusting in our Heavenly Father that He knows what He's doing. And so I've got three things that you may want to consider maybe implementing this week and the days ahead as you want to embrace this gentleness. Uh, and the first one is this, slow down. <laughs> we, we live in a culture that just goes, 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 right? And it's very hard to be gentle when you are on a constant, I got to get the next thing done, going, 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 because gentleness requires an amount of presence, an amount of being there and, and being with the person. So some of us, maybe we need to practice the idea, practice the habit of slowing down. The next one is that maybe we need to practice silence and solitude. What I mean is maybe it's time that we unplug. I talked about maybe you just need to get off of your social platform for a little while. Maybe it's time to say, okay, I'm going I'm to put my phone to bed before I go to bed. I don't need to lay in bed and doom scroll, all right? Um, Maybe uh, for some of us, it's that we just take a fast from social media for a little while. And like I said, we pray for the people that are pushing our buttons and we allow God to do a work in our lives so that he's the thing that is our feed that 
is giving us what we need, and we're not spending our time scrolling through these things. And the last one is this, is maybe it's time to practice Sabbath. Maybe it's time that we embrace the good gift that our Jesus has for us. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that our God puts in the top 10 like rules, commandments, take a break, honor the Sabbath. That's a good God, right? But a lot of times we don't make time for that good gift. We miss out on the rest that our God has for us, and he's just there saying, I'm gentle, I'm humble at heart. I want you to experience this rest because so many things are going to demand this of you. But walk with me. Have some time with me. Those other things can wait because you are worth it. So experience the slow, unhurried, gentle goodness rest that our God gives. If you don't know our God, if you have not uh, been able to get to know him in a way that you would like to, I would love to have a conversation with you. I would love to talk about my Jesus and who he is and the work that he's doing in my life and that I want him to do in your life. I know that Chris would love to have that conversation with you as well. So if you don't know our Jesus, if you'd like to, uh, after the service, I'd invite you to come find me, find Chris, uh, any of the prayer team. We would love to have that conversation with you. Um, you can send me a message. You can always email me. It's kcannon, C-A-N-N-O-N, at thewocc.com. Would love to talk more with you. Let's ask our God to do a good work and to continue the work that he's doing in our lives today. Pray with me. God, you are so good. You choose to work in our lives. You, you brought us into this space, God, and I pray that the Spirit is stirring names and ideas and just some things in our, in our hearts and our minds right now, God, that you want to do. You're, you're putting dreams there. You're saying, God, I could, you're saying, I, I want to do this in their lives. I want to do this in your life. God, help us to, to be a people that are full of your spirit, that when people encounter us, God, that it would be such a, such a pleasant experience that they would want to know more about our God because we are choosing to, to spend time with you, Jesus, to become more and more like you and your attitudes and the way that you treated people and that we're doing the things that you did, Jesus. Thank you for the work that you've begun in our lives. Thank you that it's your work and that you are doing it and that you will finish it. We love you. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.